This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Day five of Miami Dolphins training camp has officially ended, and there is a ton of news to dive into, lots to talk about regarding your Miami Dolphins. But before we get into all that, let me welcome you into Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. I am Josh Houts. That must mean I'm joined by the one, the only, Jake Mendel. You can follow him on Twitter at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. Before we get into everything to talk about with the Miami Dolphins and training camp, Jake, it's been a few days since we got together. How you doing today, man? I love that you said it's day number five. It really feels like um, we're in the trenches in, in a very dramatic type of way. But, you know, Josh, it's been great. Every day we have some different things to talk about. And I have to I have to do what you did for me and plug the Twitter at H-O-U-T-Z. There, Josh, you can find all of these very fancy Instagram videos and Twitter videos that the Miami Dolphins have taken. Uh, Josh has thrown together all of Tua's throws. I'll be the first to tell you that I don't really care for training uh, camp stats. But I will definitely say that seeing some of these highlights has gotten me pretty jazzed up so far in a training camp. Yeah, man, we all definitely got excited when we saw some of those throws, the deep balls to Albert Wilson. But like you said, this is training camp. I don't think pads come on until tomorrow. So temper expectations. But, you know, what we're hearing about to a ton of Aloha now compared to last year. I mean, uh, it gives you reason, you know, the hair standing up on your arms with excitement. Yeah, exactly. So before we get into two, before we get into the wide receivers, you kind of hit the nail on the head here that. The pads officially come on tomorrow, tomorrow being Tuesday. So everything that we've said this far, you know, is all, you know, fine and dandy. Uh, but the game really hasn't even begun yet. I mean, once you put on pads, it's, it, you'll ask anyone. It's a whole different ball game. Uh, so it's important to keep in mind that everything that we've seen uh, is definitely with a grain of salt. You know, someone like Albert Wilson, someone like Jalen Waddle is going to be a little more explosive when uh, nobody's wearing pads to slow them down. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to make a huge difference, but something to uh, keep in mind. Speaking of things we are very uncertain about, Josh, Xavier Howard. Uh, we saw a quote from him that he basically said that he wants to make things work in Miami before anything else. And I've been trying to think of the right way to compare this, but I really feel like we're asking our parents for like a raise and allowance. Uh, it's just like, keep, please, please, can we keep Xavier and Howard, please? That, that type of situation is what we're getting into uh, with the Dolphins and with Howard, because Josh, I, 
I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, the Dolphins aren't budging. I mean, Howard's back to practicing after being out for a couple of days with an ankle. So where do you see this uh, feud really starting to go over the coming weeks? Yeah, Jake, I mean, we keep talking about being a game of chicken, but earlier today, Brian Flores met with the media and talked a little bit about Xavier Howard's situation. He said there was a little bit of a setback today with the ankle. We're going to hold him out today. As far as the contract, continuing to have dialogue about X or continuing to have dialogue with X about that one day at a time from that standpoint. But I do think we're moving in the right direction. So, I mean, it sounds like the two sides are talking a little bit, but, um, you know, to your point, Jake, I don't know that there is an end in sight. And it seems like, you know, Brian Flores is stuck in his way. It almost seems like Xavier Howard. I mean, we know why he wants that new contract. I don't know if you heard, but some of the fans in attendance today were starting, you know, we want Xavier Howard, pay Xavier Howard. The chance were coming in today. So, um, you that know, it's really raw off the tongue. It sounds like. Yeah, 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 that's exactly what they said. They were perfect. But, but you know what I mean? They were out there, you know, <laughs> hyping, hyping it up and saying, you know, pay X, whatever it was. So um, I don't think there's an end in sight, but the Dolphins right now are without their playmaker. And, you know, to a point, Jake, and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later, but do you think that's why we're hearing so many of these explosive plays? You know, because no Igbenogany's out there, because, you know, Nick Neiman's playing on the outside. Maybe that's why the offense is clicking right now, because they don't have, you know, an elite corner like Xavier Howard. But I don't know what's going to happen. You know, we can get off here today and he could be traded away for all we know yeah I think it's actually pretty interesting too that uh, Brian Flores keeps talking about how things are moving in the right direction we've heard each and every one of Howard's demands we've heard each of the things he's willing to do either through him or through his agent but Flores said that they're moving in the right direction but I haven't heard anything in terms of what they're trying to do for Howard if they're going to give him a pay raise if they're going to guarantee more money going into next season so it's a really a uh, empty situation I guess is a good way to put it where we don't we still don't know what's going to happen Josh so I want to ask you give me a percent chance of whether the Dolphins fold uh, and give Howard money whether Howard folds and just plays this year um, you know as he would on this contract Howard sits out the season or Howard gets traded give me the percentages of each one of those four options that will likely I don't know how it's going to uh, really be resolved outside of any of these four ways. Yeah, man, that's that's a crazy way to slice this piece. I'm going to just say, that you know, there's a 65 percent chance that he's back with the team out there playing. Um, you know, I think, you know, besides that, if he's not out there with the Dolphins, I think he will be traded before the year and be out there for whatever team he's playing for. But, Jake, I don't want to really start anything, but it was interesting yeah. to me. You know, Brian Flores was talking to the media, saying how him and X were talking earlier today. And then X just basically came out straight straightforward and said you know I didn't talk to him so I don't know man but I'm going to say 65% chance he's out there and this Dolphins defense is the way you know God intended it to be but um but what about you is man? that a 65% chance with a new contract or without it or is it that's old? a good I guess yeah I guess I was kind of going taking the easy route there I'll go um you know if we're are we gonna I won't bring, let you do that <laughs> no you won't um I'll say 40% of that is you know just being out there without the new deal 25% I don't even know man hopefully no one's doing math on this because uh, we're all over the place at least I am <laughs> you gotta remember the Fort Minor song that that's how the best way you can uh, figure out the math here but that, that's a great point about Brian Flores and it kind of goes with what I just said there Josh about how I mean Flores can say that every day like yeah we're working towards the end be, not be doing a single thing you know that that's kind of in terms of working toward the Josh, he could simply mean, yeah, we're just going to get to the beginning of the season and then it's going to be a game of chicken and he's going to be out there. Uh, that's what we're working towards. I mean, you can really decode that in a bunch of different ways. Uh, but moving on, Josh, there were a few other players who haven't been on the field, including Mike Gesicki, Adam Shaheen, uh, Seathan Carter, and Preston Williams, who are all placed on the COVID-19 list. 
Uh, Eric Studsville, one of the co-offensive coordinators, was also placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. Uh, being a coach, we it was reported that he is vaccinated. So these are kind of the rules uh, for vaccinated players and coaches compared to unvaccinated players and coaches. Those who are vaccinated can return after two negative tests 24 hours apart, which basically means you can come back in two days. Uh, will not have to quarantine as a result of close contact with an infected person. If you are unvaccinated, you're isolated for 10 days if you have a positive test. Close contacts alone, that's a five-day quarantine period. So, Josh, I think we're going to find out pretty quickly if any of these guys are vaccinated, if they're close contacts, just by how quickly they return to the field. I mean, there's a strong chance we could see all four of these guys on the field tomorrow. That's two days, uh, two tests, 24 hours apart. That's kind of what we assume it will be for Studsville. But um, this is something we're going to be dealing with, I mean, Josh, it seems like throughout the whole uh, 2021 season. Yeah, and, you know, you see some of those memes out there, you know, some people are thinking, you know, maybe Brian Flores kind of foresaw some of this, you know, I mean, I don't think that that was really his intent there. But, you know, you see the guy pointing at his head, like thinking one step ahead of you with Brian Flores having two offense coordinators, you no know, one goes down. This does allow them to almost, you know, in a way, not skip a beat. So it's unfortunate that it happened. The one thing that I think really came out of all of this, and I'm not going to touch on it too much, but if you go to Adam Shaheen's Twitter page, he basically says, you know, I will not comply. And then in his location, it says somewhere without a mask. I just thought it was very interesting to see, you know, Adam Shaheen and his view in all this, especially, you know, with it affecting the tight end group. So um, we, again, the Dolphins are one of the more vaccinated teams, I believe, in the NFL. And as we continue to hear it, it will give the teams a competitive advantage heading into the season. So um, hopefully Godsey's out there sooner or later. But to your point, you know, we should have a good idea of which of these guys were vaccinated and you know which of these guys weren't. There's no doubt about that. And before we take a break here and, and really dive into the meat of the show, which is the wide receivers, uh, there's been some position changes among players, which, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought in past years, uh, reporters couldn't say, like, who's starting and who's with who. I thought it was just kind of, you use the context clues of, you know, it was a catch from two or it was a pass from Tua, so you think they're with the first team and so and, and on and on like that. But it seems like the reporters here are straight up saying, like, who's on the first team, who's on the second, which which seems a little unusual. Yeah, I think for the first, what was it, the first few weeks, it was a little bit hush-hush, you know, with those mini camps, some of those things. But I think now that fans are back in there, I mean, I, I guess there's really no gotcha. way of them to to stop the fans from reporting this. So I think that's why you're seeing Barry Jackson. I think it was actually like 345 yesterday they could officially do it. And you immediately saw, you know, these different positions and the changes. So, uh, Jake, why don't you run us through them? Because it does kind of shed some light on what these position groups might look like heading into the preseason and inevitably the regular season as well. Liam Eikenberg, he played left guard over the last few days. Uh, after starting at right tackle, he was a left tackle at Notre Dame. A lot of people are already pigeoning him to be a starter this season, so seeing him play at left guard over Solomon Kinley is a little concerning as we are the Solomon Kinley fan club. But again, it's the point of the preseason. It's the point of training camp where you're trying out different things. You're really trying to get the best five guys out there. And I guess the biggest concern with having someone like Eichenberg play left guard is that you have Jesse Davis at right tackle. Uh, I think Jesse Davis has a ceiling in terms of what he can do on the offensive line, but he has a very strong floor where he can fill it at a lot of different positions. I would rather keep him as the, your sixth or seventh offensive lineman. Hopefully like a DJ Fluker will also fill up, up this role when he returns, but just that guy who can come in and no matter what the injury is, you know, someone's not going to come in and the game's going to be completely derailed. You know, you don't have Dallas Thomas coming in and you know, they're going to send double blitzes right at him all game long. And the game's just going to be doomed from then on out. So having someone like Jesse Davis as reserve is something I think I would prefer, but as I just mentioned last few days, he's been at right tackle. Michael Dieter has been the 
headstrong lead at the center spot, Josh. So Mikey D might be the uh, center come day one or week one, but you know, that's still a competition. And then Robert Hunt, he's been at right guard most of the preseason. And I think that was one everyone pretty much expected. Yeah, Jake, and there is some interesting things here, but you know, the biggest thing, and it goes with all the offensive linemen, you know, all the guys in the secondary and the defensive linemen, it's versatility, man. And I mean, we can't sit here and say, mm-hmm. you know, what Eichenberg is going to be in the NFL, you know, what Dieter might be at center, but to hear that he's even competing with a guy like Skur with some of those other guys, I mean, that that's at least a good sign for, you know, him having a resurgence in his career. You mentioned Jesse Davis. I mean, I don't know if you ideally want him there at right tackle, but again, if they feel like Eichenberg's yeah. better suited inside to start the season, who's going to argue that? Because then even when Eichenberg, you know, might be ready to go to the outside and protect to his blind side maybe then they shift Jesse Davis back inside and you mentioned Solomon Kinley the big fish I mean there's so many pieces here I'm just excited to watch the way it all shapes out Andrew Van Ginkle was the starting outside linebacker I do think that might have had a little bit to do with Jalen Phillips I believe he was on the sideline I think he was Mm -hmm. spotted in a compression sleeve they said the one day but I get think today at camp he was uh, it was without that. So um, you hope he's out there fast. And then it, the secondary to me, I don't know about you, Jake, but Nick Needham finding out that he's working on the boundary. Yes, he had experience there before. He played pretty well there before, but to hear that he's competing mm-hmm. with no Igbenogany without um, Xavier Howard. And it almost sounds like he might be like getting that inside track there. So a little bit, a little bit concerning when we were sitting here, you know, hyping up no Igbenogany, but at the same time, you know, what's that say about Nick Needham? Because again, that's a guy that you just don't count out in this Dolphins secondary. So um, I have a lot of versatile pieces here. And, you know, you just wonder, I think they said, you know, Eichenberg was at right tackle. Some of these other pieces were lined up elsewhere. You wonder how much of this is just reindeer games with this coaching staff, you know, how much are they doing? Because they can report this. I mean, who knows what's going on behind the scenes? I mean, that's just one way to look at it. But um, uh, versatility is the key here. And I'm excited to see the way it all shapes up. And most importantly, with this Dolphins team, as we've seen before, Jake, it's going to be a battle. I mean, you can't say that in the other teams. I think Arizona, when they drafted Zayvon Collins, they called up Jordan Hicks that day. And they said, you know, you're, you can't even compete for the starting linebacker job. That is not what I want in my team, not to just hand the role to somebody. So mm-hmm. let the cream rise to the top and let's see the way this all goes down. Yeah, Eric Rowe, Jason McCourney, the two former Patriot cornerbacks are your starting safeties right now. That means Javon Holland uh, is with that second team. Again, you kind of hit the nail on the head of this doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot, especially when you look at game day and you see the opening 11 who are called the starters. And then you see, you know, the Brandon Joneses of the world out there so much. Uh, The different defensive linemen rotating in and playing even 60 to 70% of snaps that you don't really expect. So it's important to keep that context in mind too. Josh, I got to say, I, uh, I don't want to say I was concerned, but hearing that Nick Needham has been having such a strong camp, I wondered, what does that mean for Justin Coleman at that slot cornerback spot? Is this someone who's just kind of uh, toasted? He's not really at that level anymore, and he's getting beat up by someone like Nick Needham, but with Xavier Howard out. Coleman's been that guy at cornerback while Needham's gotten hype. Uh, Coleman's played pretty well in that slot role, which is a nice little added bonus, especially when you think about the uh, fact that he's had to cover guys like Jalen Waddell, Albert Wilson, and still was able to make a play here or there, even though uh, the receiving core and two has been the story of this uh, training camp so far. It really seems. Yeah, Jake. And one thing you really love to see is I think Shaquem Griffin, you know, the, the feel good story. He's out there. We heard he was pumping up the crowd. You know, he's a fan favorite. and He's out there making plays, setting the edge, you know, being an asset in the passing game getting to the quarterback. I mean, it seems like maybe this is going to be a little bit more than just a camp body like you and I honestly originally had thought maybe. Yeah, I definitely got to take the hell on that one. Uh, it seems every day, you know, um, it might even be to the point where the Dolphin beat writers have, has his name saved because he is making plays so often where um, 
it's hard to ignore at this point, Josh. I mean, when we get into preseason games, if he's doing this on film, even on the second team, I mean, that's going to be good enough to make this Dolphins roster. Um, and that doesn't really mean anything negative about the depth they have. I mean, Sam McGuavin's another guy, one of those linebackers who's also been making a few plays. But I mean, that's just the depth. I mean, we saw what happened to the Dolphin linebacker group when they lost to Landon Roberts just for the Buffalo game at the end of last year. I'm not saying they wouldn't have us you know, completely blown out the Dolphins either way. But having that depth is a nice uh, reassuring thing. And that's kind of the biggest takeaway of all this training camp here is uncovering those guys who can, you know, fill those roles that you don't see uh, at the top of the roster. Sounds good, Jake. Let's take a break and let's get into the top performing receivers from this week's camp. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So, Josh, I got to say, when I was putting together this list of wide receivers, the ones who have their stock rising and their, their stock dropping, I was going to rank them all, but I just thought that'd be too much of a mess. And, you know, uh, it's too early in camp to really uh, make that decisive of a list. So we're going to say guys who are trending in the right direction and guys who are trending in the wrong direction and kind of save our behinds that way. So first and foremost, Josh, after being on the pub for a couple of days, Devante Parker has returned to practice on Monday. Uh, that alone is a big positive being a veteran, uh, being someone who actually has really stepped up on the big stage. I know everyone's going to complain about him not playing 16 games every year, uh, but Parker just being out in the field is a, is a great sign. I don't see him as someone who really needs to practice too, too much or get these reps in too, too much just for being around the system for so long, being around the team for so long. Uh, but what it does mean, Josh, is that the staffs for other guys who we might have heard a little bit of so far is going to start to dwindle. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, it's kind of crazy, but as soon as Devontae Parker was activated there, I mean, you started to see the plays, you started to see the beat writers, you know, start take noticing and you started to see the, all the, the, the tweets and stuff like that. And I mean, someone asked me, you know, it's crazy because just a few days ago, people were sitting here saying, you know, maybe we should cut Devontae Parker. But when you look at it, Jake, and we'll talk about Preston Williams and just how far down he's truly slid. Um, but the Dolphins, I mean, is Devontae Parker now not kind of the unicorn on the roster? I mean, you got Jalen Waddle, you got Albert Wilson, you got Jakeem Grant, you know, even Fuller to an extent. I mean, no one can really go up there and get that football and be that asset in one-on-one coverage unless you're going to, you know, flank out Gesicki or some of these other guys. I mean, yes, they do it in a different way, but Devontae Parker is that true, you know, and I use the quotes, number one wide receiver. So just to hear him being out there at camp, you know, making those plays, winning those one-on-one situations, I think Wingfield said, you know, when he's in one-on-one coverage, it isn't 50-50, it's like 80-20. And um, just <laughs> hearing that him and t- to a ton of a lower right back on the same page. I mean, that's what you want to hear again. First day back off the pup. I mean, he's already making an impact. And I think this receiving core, you know, is only going to get better with a guy like Parker in the lineup. Yeah, you talk about the flexibility and the different type of opportunities that the Miami Dolphins offense can present to players. Uh, You mentioned Parker kind of being that unicorn. And you're right that, you know, he fits that mold that Mike Gusecki might do where Parker 
however, can do it against the cornerback and a safety where Gusecki, you know, he's always going to moss the safety, right? Uh, it's just kind of done in a different way. And I think if we should put Mac Hollins in that category, I think he's been a name we've been hearing quite, quite a Absolutely. bit. He's a guy who also signed a contract extension this offseason. So I think he's going to also fit that mold. Hollins has been playing that slot receiver role, uh, but not like that Jarvis Landry slot. This is a guy who's really attacking the scenes of the defense, can go up, make plays over linebackers. So I keep an eye on him. That's one of the receivers I think people have started to write off a little bit just because of the sheer volume of this uh, unit. But moving on, Josh, I mean, Jalen Waddle, tell me a little bit about him because, I mean, it's safe to say he can't do no wrong out there on the practice field. It really does seem that way, Jake. And I don't know if you saw the little quick clip yesterday, but he was coming in motion on a mesh concept. And as soon as the ball was snapped, you know, Matt Collins quick chipped uh, Byron Jones and you just saw the space. I mean, it was probably 10 feet worth of space that Jalen Waddle had going across the middle. And, you know, when the Dolphins drafted Waddle, I think that might've been my biggest concern was, are they going to be able to fabricate these touches? Are they going to be able to be, you know, creative enough to get him these opportunities? And just to see that one play, man, I mean, it gave me goosebumps because we talked about Charlie Fry coming in here and some of these different concepts. I mean, to get a guy like Jalen Waddle in space before the ball's even snapped. I mean, that's huge. And then he's going out there dominating, making all these plays, toe taps. You know, he, he's truly going to be the Dolphins. You know, I, again, I said Devontae Parker's that mold of a number one receiver. But Jalen Waddle, from, you know, a rep standpoint, you know, a pure volume standpoint, he might be the Dolphins. He's going to be thrust into that role right away again with Will Fuller out, with Preston Williams on the pup list and some of these other things. So, um, Jake, I mean, that it, to me has been just outstanding to hear that a guy, again, that, you know, from the outside perspective, you know, you could sit here and say the Dolphins should have stayed put and taken chase or, or done whatever it could have been to get pits or this and that. But it seems like the Jalen Waddle was, uh, you know, what the Dolphins seeked in this offense, and they seem to have a plan in place. And that gets me excited. Yeah, he seems like one of the receivers that, you know, you always have to know where he is on the offense. The safeties are always going to have to keep an eye on him. And that's kind of the biggest upgrade we see in this offense from last year this year is the next three guys I'm going to say Josh and that's Jalen Waddle, Albert Wilson and Robert Foster these dudes are all fast these dudes if you lose track of them on this field I mean they're going to gash you for major yardage and this is without Will Fuller on the field so you do I mean you kind of were, were spot on there we're talking about Parker as that unicorn because you see the vision of this new receiving core you see how someone like Devontae Parker or Mac Collins can still have that sort of impact while maybe not getting the ball in their hands these are guys who are great blockers too so that's something the Dolphins have to keep in mind is they're not only you know they're not only getting the guys who can make plays with the ball but you need the guys who can chip you need the guys who can be technicians in the red zone and the Dolphins seem to have a nice mix of that going I mean Josh Robert Foster he's been catching bombs I mean Albert Wilson if he's not catching a 60 yard uh 60 yard you know bomb through the air from Tua he's catching it and at the 20 yard line and running another 40 yards or something like that so it seems like Josh these are this is the group and we're gonna say it this wouldn't be possible without your quarterback looking strong, you know, this past week. Yeah, man, I think what's most exciting about this is just how speed kills. And you do have to, you know, pat yourself on the back there for Robert Foster because, you know, we kind of did say that he was going to be that special teams guy. But, I mean, you were right up there and say, you know, keep an eye on him. And he just continued to make plays early on. So you just love to see that. And then Albert Wilson, I mean, I just want to talk about it again. He was – I think he had an interview where he just said, you know, just to look on the opposite side – uh, or during his press conference, just look on the opposite side and see a guy like Jalen Waddle that can do the exact same thing in the slot as him. I mean, that is scary, deadly when you go out there. But like you said, none of this matters if Tua Tungvaluwa isn't going out there and executing. And Jake, you know, I, I really do want to temper expectations because it's so hard when you, you see the 65-yard bombs and the 60 yards and just some of the placement, man. I mean, it's that accuracy, you know, and you hate to use the word elite, but it's that elite accuracy that got Tua to where he is. And mm -hmm. you didn't really see that in year one, but now you're starting to see it in camp again. Uh, let's temper expectations. Pads come on tomorrow, but he's going out there, man. And he's doing exactly what 
is expected of them. And that's to me is the biggest thing. People are like, oh, you need to temper expectations, this and that. But we just went through seven months of people just bashing our quarterback. And the only thing he could have done yep. during that time is get better, bulk up, learn the playbook and go out there and post execute. on Instagram, he's, post on Instagram, give us all those thirst traps and go out there and execute. And that's exactly what he's doing. So um, you got to tip your hat to him because none of this po- would be possible without him. And again, they're doing that against one of the best damn defenses in football again, without Xavier Howard, but it's still pretty impressive. Nonetheless. Yeah, he hasn't thrown an interception since last Wednesday. Easy to get caught up on everything that's happening because you could see one tweet about someone think they're playing incredibly well, but and that is the one tweet that sticks to you despite the fact that you know a week goes by and you still haven't heard their name again. But with that in mind, uh, you know Preston Williams, we have trending in the wrong direction, just still being on the pup and COVID nineteen list. Will Fuller still being out, Josh? I mean, this is a guy in a contract year. I'm not saying he's a risk to be cut, but in terms of his. Uh, opportunities especially early in the season if he's not out there I could see it taking him a little longer to get on the same page as Tua again I'm not saying he's gonna lose snaps or anything like that but I mean this time of the season and you see him balling with you know the Robert Fosters and Albert Wilsons of the world he might be more comfortable and know you know you can have success doing either or and then other guys Josh I mean Lynn Bowden, Malcolm Perry, Jakeem Grant, Alan Hearns, Isaiah Ford they're all working their way to try to um, you know break through what we've seen out of Waddle and Wilson and Foster. And I just don't know how uh, possible that's going to be. Yeah. And to your point with Will Fuller, I mean, this was a guy who at least a lot of us were excited about, you know, what he brought to this offense tier that he's out early on. It's definitely not good, especially, you know, if he does, he's only here one year. So even if he does go out there, he has a lot, you know, an uphill battle to, to stick around long-term, I guess is what you might say. Um, but Jakeem Grant, you know, I almost have to give him a little bit of props here. I'm not going to fall into the same trap as I always do. Um, but he has been making some plays. You are starting to hear about some of the catches he's making a toe tapper here and there. So um, I guess maybe he's kind of trending in the right direction, but for me, the biggest, and I guess the most disappointing is Preston Williams. I mean, he can only control so much of this. I mean, it was that injury. I think that's still learning from last year, but um, when you remember about how awesome he looked before that Arizona game, and you think about how good he looked, you know, his rookie season, um, these injuries are always going to be the, the death of him, perhaps. So I would hope that he sticks around. I hope that the Dolphins find a way, you know, to keep him around because I do think he has value when he's healthy. But um, I mean, Jake, they have a ton of freaking receivers and they have to figure out who's going to go. And I mean, as of now, I, I wouldn't see why Preston Williams would have an inside track to, to a lot of those guys we talked about. And that's unfortunate because there's nothing he can do to go out there and, you know, prove his worth, I guess you would say. Yeah, the best ability is availability. And of course, you know, it's worth saying again, at any any day this can, you know, be spun on its head, right? Where different guys start to step up, especially Josh, they're going to put pads on, especially with the fact we're still two weeks away from the first preseason game, August 14th. So that is still right around the corner. Uh, but again, temper expectations, it's, it's a lot of fun to talk about this stuff, uh, but we still are going to learn a lot before we see the Dolphins hit the field in week one. And, and Josh, just to kind of give a little... Um, tip going into what we're going to be doing tomorrow tomorrow being tuesday we're going to release another show and we're going to talk a little bit of madden and something i love to do josh and i'd like you to do this uh when madden gets released i'd like you to take a picture of the starting depth charts and then i'd like us to compare that to what the team looks like in real life in like week four and realize just how much is going to change about this team and how much we still have to learn uh despite all this content we've been getting nonstop over these last you know five six days i love that idea jake and uh I will, we will also be releasing an article on the Finn Sider where I'll be breaking down some of the ratings, a little bit of that. But, you know, we talked about Tua Tagovailoa, Jake, and I just want to bring this all together with a tweet from Omar Kelly. I kind of made a joke of it, you know, inject it into my arms, but he tweeted out today, 
Tua is really showing a mastery of this offense I didn't expect at this point. Ball is out quick, it's accurate, and out in the perfect spot for wide receiver often. So, again, uh, we'll temper expectations, but Omar Kelly's tweeting that, and if he's tweeting that right now, I mean, we can all inject that into our veins, baby. To, that, that can only mean two things. Two is great or two is like a dude tonight. It, it's, it's, there's no middle ground. There's no we're, in between. Nope. We're in for a ride. <laughs> Guys, if you are liking what you're listening to, uh, again, it being training camp, we're just kind of rolling with the punches. When there's news, we're going to record. We don't have a set schedule until the regular season starts. So the best way to know when a podcast is out, when you want to know more about the Miami Dolphins in training camp, hit that subscribe button uh, because we're shooting for three shows a week here. So uh, it'd be great to have you guys continue to joining us. Uh, and if you're really enjoying the show, please leave a review. That stuff puts a little extra pep in our step. It's always fun to read those. Again, follow Josh on Twitter at H-O-U-T-Z. That's house. I can be found at jmetal94. Josh, you got any final words here as we start to get a little bit of a better picture about what the Miami Dolphins might look like in 2021? Um, not at all, but I say temper expectations, and then I read off that Omar Kelly tweet, and I'm just ready to run through a wall and, you know, start photoshopping the Lombardi trophy into a tongue of Aloha's arms. So I, I got nothing, man, but I just, again, we want to thank you guys so much for listening, for supporting the podcast. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to it, because like Jake said, right now we're kind of all over the place, but the best way to get a new episode is to subscribe, like, leave us whatever review you can, and if there's something that you like that we're doing, let us know. If there's something that we're not doing, please let us know. Again, I am Josh Houts. Follow me on Twitter at Houts. That is the greatest co-host in the world, the verified journalist himself, Jake Mendel. You can follow him on Twitter at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94 for the Jake and Josh Show, part of Finsider Radio. I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami We're the Miami